The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and how are you doing? And thank you so much for being part of The Intentional Spirit. Love all of your years of dedication to our show and for sharing it with others and As you know, we're always bringing in guests that are intentional spirits that have a passion that are being difference makers and really um, contributing to society. And I'm very excited that today we have as our guest, Dr. Susan Posada, and she has founded Nature's Oak Wellness Center. Her whole philosophy is to end the stigma with mental health. Welcome to our show today. We're so glad you're here. How do you want me to refer to you, Dr. Susan or Susan? Yeah. What is your preference? Yeah, but you can call me Susan. That's fine. I'm very comfortable okay. with that. I'm Dr. Temple, and you can call me Temple. Okay, Temple. <laughs> and you okay. can call me Ray, and you can call me Jay. Just call me. <laughs> okay. okay. So, um, Susan, I've been very much looking forward to speaking with you. We have such a team here within our own community that's dedicated to mental health. And there is a film called This Is My Brave. And one of our members is in the documentary. And it um, includes vignettes of different people to help the world see that mental health is such a broad title and that it affects so many people differently. So how did you, I know you have lots to share, um, how did you get involved in this line of work in, in the very beginning? What What is part of your story that has shape-shifted your path to be that you really care about this? Well, um, really it started with um, events that happened in my own life early on, Um uh, with my family and um, getting divorced and being a teenager with parents who had very good intentions but didn't know how to handle the situation and um, just really disturbing things my brother and sister and I went through. And so as a teenager, I decided that I wanted to, I always knew I wanted to go to college, but that my my goal was going to be to work um, in the psychology field and become skilled at helping other families and teenagers get through um, 
just teenage years in itself, but particularly with families that had fallen apart. Um, we had an experience uh, even in our therapy when I was a teenager with a therapist who was well-intended but um, was not helpful because he would ask us questions right in front of my parents that were very, you know, upsetting and no way we were going to answer. Anyways, situations like that inspired me to really um, get into the field. So I got my psychology degree and, um, of course, realized that I had a lot of my own stuff um, to deal with before I could help other people. Um, and so I had gotten into some counseling there and then um, was continued to be very motivated um, to help people. And after getting out of college with a degree in psychology, you can't really do anything with. Um, so I went back and got my master's degree and still with the mission of helping um, young people. And so I thought what I would do is get in the schools as a guidance counselor. And I went through a guidance and counseling program, got my master's. And in the process of that, um, did my internship um, here in Hillsborough County, actually, and um, had the um, opportunity to work in an alternative education program, um, doing a lot of counseling, which was awesome. But I learned that the guidance counselors didn't have time to do that work, and that's why me as an intern and other interns were doing that work. And I specifically remember counselors saying, gosh, we wish we had the time to do what we're having you do, because they were so caught up in curriculum and program planning and things like that. Uh, so at that point, I decided I didn't want to be a guidance counselor because I wouldn't be able to do what um, I really wanted to do, which was very frustrating because the schools, because this was back in um, around 19, late 80s, and the schools just didn't um, pay attention to, to mental health. Um, the elementary schools did a little bit, but beyond that, it was all about academic planning um, in the counseling departments. So because I was still on that mission, I decided to go into private practice because I've worked in institutions for um, many years getting practice, you know, becoming more experienced and eventually did go into private practice, and which I am still in. But um, it's really been awesome with what's been happening in our field now with uh, mindful-based, um, more acceptance of mindful-based approaches because with, you know, all the sad things that are happening in our society, <laughs> Um, with our kids and our adults and all these shootings and everything. I mean, I think this is a, um, the icing on the cake with how things have developed being because we haven't paid attention to mental health over the years. And, and now there's no way to avoid it because people, too many people are either hurting themselves or hurting other people. Um, but being a reactive culture, as I see it, that's kind of how things work. <laughs> when things get really bad, then we take action. Um, but anyways, the the exciting part of this is, is there's, there's a lot of research that's supporting um, what um, some people have known for decades but wasn't accepted because we didn't have the uh, technology to show um, brain changes in um, approaches that are around yoga and mindfulness and meditation and now we can demonstrate the, the efficacy of that. And what I have found really interesting in the last couple of years is that a lot of this research has been out for decades. Um, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, 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 yeah, it's yeah, it's, and now you know it's over the recent years that it's becoming more mainstream accepted. Yeah, I saw, um, for example, um, this is somewhat related, but it is about you know chemicalization in the body. And I someone posted yesterday on Facebook that oh, they've made this uh, recent discovery that um, alcoholism is. Um, really related to um, something within the brain versus uh, behavior. <laughs> and I <clears throat> I wrote the person um, because I knew them, and I said they made that discovery you know, 20 years ago uh, when mm-hmm. they were studying brains and car accidents. They realized there's a chemical in the brain of an alcoholic that isn't in a non-alcoholic. And it's just that that, that's why we often say in our, our fields, I'm a, a spiritual leader and a counselor, coach, or blah, blah. But, um, you know, we often say in our, in, our, in our fields that knowing, we know a lot of stuff. <laughs> we just need people to do more than just know about it, but actually, you know, do something about it. And, you know, my hat goes off to you that, that you are, you know, doing something about it. So... Mm-hmm. Um, that's wonderful. Well, part of it is I've just I've been very frustrated with the medicalization, really the pathology that um, uh, really we are traditionally taught to buy into with mental health, and that you know so many mental health issues. I mean, we all have mental health issues because we have a brain, and to because we use the word mental health to think we have a disorder is very frustrating to me. Anyways, I, many years ago, I was ready to get out of the field because <coughs> how um, everything I was trained, this was back in the early 90s, by the way, <coughs> was a deal with pathology, and it was so frustrating because there wasn't a lot of success, and you'd see repeaters come back into treatment programs over and over again. <coughs> so I went back to actually got a second um graduate degree to get more training in systems approach, which really incorporates a holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And that that um, reinvigorated me to stay in the field. So it's been really awesome. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, thank you for staying. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, we need more, you know, difference makers and intentional spirits mm, like you. Um, we were recently in a film, it doesn't come out until uh, next year, but we were in a film with Deepak Chopra because he has decided to make it his life work uh, related to suicide and mental mm-hmm. health. And the second leading cause of death with young people is suicide. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, obviously you are already aware of this. But so it's it's wonderful that there are starting to be significant people with strong voices that are getting involved and, and behind this. Lady Gaga has spoken about it, you know, and not that every conversation has to be about a famous person. But when we say that person, then people know who we're talking about. Right. And, and um, it is like the way our society it. operates, you yeah. know, whether we think it ought to or not, it does. So. You know, rather than reinvent the wheel, it's wonderful that people that are well known for whatever reason they're known are beginning to take a take a stand for this. But when when you were talking earlier about we're tapping into ideas of the brain and understanding more, um, give us some 
go deeper. You know, what are some of the things that you are referring to? Um, for example, um, neuroplasticity. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of talk about that now, but um, people have been talking about that for several years. I think they're just more starting to pay attention to it. Um, for example, another example is the research that came out of the University of Massachusetts like four decades ago. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with John Kabat-Zinn, but he did a lot of, he had a research at the University of Massachusetts. He was the one that's behind the Mindful-Based Stress Reduction Program. And um, since, a lot, a lot of other people have also been studying that program, so there's a lot of research that supports it. Um, but back to John Kabat-Zinn's work, 40, four decades ago, um, there was a lot of good stuff coming out demonstrating how um, we can use our own internal resources to manage our health. And not, that's not to take away from the medical profession because, of course, there's certainly a lot of space for that. Um, but in addition to that, there's so much that we can tap into within ourselves if we know how um, to... Um, uh, not only lower our stress reduction, but manage our own pain, manage anxiety, um, depression, as well as improve physical health. Of course, now we can also demonstrate that um, stress uh, causes, um, can cause autoimmune problems, it, re it affects our immune system, it affects um, inflammation in our bodies. Um, there's biomarkers that demonstrate that people in high mm -hmm high stressful situations um, become ill um, much easier and for a longer term um, you know but but his research a long time ago uh, even though he didn't have the technology we have today that demonstrates some of these biomarkers and um, you know new neural pathways that the brain can develop um, uh, his research still was able to support the changes in people's lives just by uh, studying the changes in their behavior and how they were feeling um, through these strategies, these strategies that they learned about how to use their own body and mind to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think you go back to spirituality that, you know, um, that, you know, God has created everything that we need to survive, which is so true, but we haven't known how to use it in our culture. We haven't right. known how to tap into what we have, whether it's in nature or within us. Yeah, but I love the, the name of your business, Nature's Oak Wellness Center. When mind and body unite for ultimate health. And that's, that's really what our whole you know, philosophy is in the unity and the science of mind movement. And that's what we stand for and represent is the, the wholeness of the whole person, um, mm -hmm. not just one area or not just the power of the mind, which is extremely important, but also the other components, your mental, your physical body and the alignment of those. And that's why we've always felt it was so important to use our platform to be able to, um, to educate people. And, um, and it's so important. And that's why people like you, I'm, I'm like a, a fan and like want to support in whatever way, because 
we do need to educate and, and make people aware. Uh, the first panel we did here many, many months ago, um, one of the questions an attendee asked me, and I will tell you that interesting people flew in from other states to be part of the panel. That was very powerful. We yeah. saw people here that we've never met before because people are craving and, and realizing the, if you will, the urgency or the proactivity that needs to happen. Uh, we we have been reactive for a long time, and now we need to, you know, really get behind it. But, you know, someone said to me, well, you know, why is this important to you? And uh, I said, well, I had two aunts, you know, kill themselves within a six or seven year period. And oh we knew growing up that they were off. Yes. But nobody yes. wanted to talk about it. No, but between religiosity keeping people stagnant by saying, well, God never gives you more than you can handle. You know, you got your, you know, bucket load and you got to deal with it. (laughs) You know, don't complain Uh, between that stifling kind of effect of religiosity, which is Mm -hmm. not spirituality. It to, to keep people small um, and out of control of their lives between, between that and the shame of it or the lack of knowledge of it, no one talked about it. Right. Right. And and I, you know, I concur with you. I mean, our, our times are, um, what is it that statement that says to pay attention to the whispers, you know, so you don't have to deal with the two by fours. And in our culture right now, we have a lot of two by fours because those whispers, we, we just let those whispers come and go. And, um, yeah, and we have people in strong offices that I dare say have mental health issues. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really coming up to be healed and revealed and and us take a, a new direction. Um, yes, yes, yes. And when, when I'm in um, the follow-up on that, what I'm really excited about is that even though things are reactive here, that... Um, um, what this is allowing us to do as mental health people is start um, moving our information and what we want to share with the school systems. And um, Hillsborough County, for example, has is starting to open up and get mental health people into the schools. Um, uh, a colleague of mine who trained me in mindful-based stress reduction, um, she's working on a dissertation um, project um, that I'm getting involved with in her, and we're going to be training teachers, um, training teachers in the program so they can take those skills and not only use it in their life, but teach the kids in the classroom. Um, my hope is is that um, a lot of, you know, we could teach the teachers to use what I call it really, there are ways, emotional regulation. You know, you need to, you learn to manage your thoughts and your emotions and your nervous system in a way that, um, keeps people or helps people feel more empowered to make better choices um and that my hope is by this 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 will be something that the schools will do ongoing not that it's just a course for the kids but that every day in school they're doing some deep breathing every day in school they're doing some degree of meditation every day in school they're learning to pay attention to what their automatic thoughts are and making decisions as to whether or not they want to react on those automatic thoughts or make more intentional decisions for their best interests and the interest of others 
So I guess I, where this is really exciting for me, because this is where I really started. Get into the school system. So it's, it's not as a guidance counselor, because unfortunately they weren't given the resources or the staff to be able to do the mental health piece. But here we are 30 years now, and it's coming around. Well, and I, I agree with you in, in, well, I agree with everything you're saying, of course, and I, and I, I ask myself those same deep questions <laughs> that you ask yourself. Why do we have to wait until we get to worst case scenarios um, yeah. before it seems that there is change? But hopefully we can reassure ourselves that by the time things have gotten to the level that they are now, maybe that's a time that permanent change can happen yeah. because often it seems that way in our own individuation of how we work with the laws of creation, how we work with natural laws. Often we, we, we make decisions based upon have to scenarios versus, Oh, I kind of got a little nudge and I think I'm going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I still hold the space that I'm, I'm more motivated than I've ever been. That's what I hear in your voice. Yes. Um, because I feel like this, these are the emerging times for, for difference makers and change agents to really capture, you know, what needs to be done and to offer not only just have the cliches and the platitudes of the belief that change is a coming or change is here, but that we actually have some bona fide solutions that we can move forward with. So I'm, I'm more invigorated than I've ever been. And like you, I'm glad I didn't walk away in a previous time because I wouldn't yeah. want to miss being part of this. No. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I hadn't thought about that way. I'm glad I didn't walk away because I wouldn't be here now mm -hmm. feeling enthusiastic and Oh, Absolutely. And I want to refer people that are tuning in and listening either either live or, or later uh, to go to your website. It's Dr. Susan Posada, P-O-S-A-D-A.com, DrSusanPosada.com, yes, and find out uh, what she's doing, what she's up to, and the uh, changes that she is making on the, um, on the planet. It's very invigorating. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you. So um, you have an active practice in um, Tampa Bay. Yes. And you have many practitioners that are with you that you have surrounded yourself with people that are addressing uh, beyond the psychology, but the integrative, I love the word integrative, yes. uh, the mental health part. And you also know and are working with the aspects of it's not it's what's eating us but it's also what we're eating so you're incorporating the health and you really are addressing the full the full essence of um of, of a human being yes yes yeah we focus um uh focus on nutrition and mental health um I have a wonderful uh, functional medicine practitioner um, uh, that helps with some of my clients. Um, when I, you know, can sense that there's some nutritional issues that are playing a role in their mood um, and their mental health, so uh, we collaborate sometimes with that. Um, 
I do, uh, even when, you know, I'm not referring to her, always support the, you know, sometimes it's as simple as drinking enough water to help somebody lift themselves out of a deep depression. I, I don't want to minimize depression by any means, but people don't often realize that, that even water can play a role in, in our mood. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, so, yeah, gosh, it, it, like it, night and day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, and we have, um, so the nutritionist sometimes, you know, have her do a lot of blood work because my belief is, you know, the, the one size fits all vitamins is not adequate, that we all have our own um, physiological makeup and um, sometimes need, you know, that the blood work to be evaluated. So we're in, in taking the right supplements and eating the right foods for our particular physiology. Yeah, so we do that. We have a yoga instructor and really try to um, emphasize um, uh, yoga in people's lives as well as the meditation. Um, we have a massage therapist, um, another also another therapist who I'm so excited that she's really, really uh, the same, coming from the same place with the mindful-based stress reduction. Um, so we're all working together and trying to be a team to, you know, help help our mission of whole body wellness. I also noticed that you have a um, a summer program. Mm-hmm. Yes, we. Um, uh, uh, as I, you know, started out with my mission is helping with helping younger people. Um, we want to um, have, um, you know, ex- expose kids in a kind of like a camp setting, but it's really not a camp camp. Um, in that we're teaching um, these concepts of how to tap into your own internal resources to empower yourself and um, have more control over, um, make, have kids feel more in control over their mood and their choices and um, their relationships with other kids. Well, I'll, I'll have to let you know when we have a, our, our film premiere here. For you to bring a group of people over and see it with us. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. Now, did you say that's happening in a year? You're doing that. Well, in a year? no, at the no, no, at the very beginning of the year in February of 2020 is when oh, it okay. is projected to uh, to be out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's called the offering, and uh-huh. it's a fictional film about a young boy that. Um, he seems to have it all. He's very successful. He's around 18, 19. And so there's no signs. There's no clues. And he kills himself. Mm-hmm. And so his mother goes on a journey, including mm-hmm. seeing Deepak Chopra, spending a lot of time with him, playing himself in the film. And she comes to see me and our spiritual community. So we're in the film as well. So it's very exciting. We're launching it at Carnegie Hall in oh. December. So it's, uh, we're, we're, we are thrilled about, of course, I think anybody's thrilled if they're in a film or something of that nature, but more importantly, we're thrilled because we are tickled to be part of something that matters. You yeah, know, it's like something that so, can make a positive mm-hmm. difference. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you for sharing this show. I'm sure you agree with me. I mean, there's so many people that can benefit from knowing more about um, mental health and taking the stigma out, and, you know, people are healed by what they turn towards, not what they turn away from. And I also want to um, remind you that Unity Online Radio is sponsoring an incredible cruise, We are going with uh, Unity of Houston at the very end of March and the beginning of April. We're going on an amazing cruise where we'll have a couple hundred people and we will be teaching practical application of stories and ideas just like the types that we're having today. And you can go to spirit at seatravel.com to find out more. But today what's important and what's in front of us is we're talking to Dr. Susan Posada and she is talking to us about her life work of the psychology and the behavior with mental health and her dedication and the many paths her life has taken to support this cause um, uh, for forever. And uh, in some ways, even though the reasons aren't exciting, Susan, I, I imagine that this is a joyful time with you in the way that I mean it. And that is that people are really listening. People are starting to see We've got to have these conversations. This mm-hmm. is real, and this is not. We often say in our work, things are either getting better or they're getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mental health has been getting worse yes. more and more and more. When people are killing their families, we have major issues. Yes, yes. And I, I think that, you know, when things get really as bad as they are, sometimes um, uh, people get even more afraid of the word mental health because um, it, it can be assumed that that means, some, you know, you have these horrific problems where you hurt people like this. But as I said before, you know, we all have mental health issues just because we have a human brain and managing that human brain is a challenge um, if we attempt to manage it, which I believe we all do need to manage it. Um, just the fact that, you know, our, our minds have just kind of its own subconscious automatic thoughts that um, want to drive our bus to, to be able to channel those and take them in the direction that we want. But one thing I wanted to, you know, we were talking about teens um, a little bit earlier, and can I make a, um, a couple additional comments? You can go any direction that you want. This is your show with me. Okay. <laughs> Whatever okay. you want to talk about, you go for All right. it. So, yeah, I was, um, you know, thinking about your story about um, the teenager who looked like he had it all. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I see kids, many kids that um, come to counseling um, on the surface appear like they have it all. And, um of course, parents are confused. Is everything looks good? What is what's going on here? Why are they having these problems? Um, and I think that part of our um, our cultural discourse is that you know people have to succeed, exceed, and be at the top, and all the pressure that goes along with that to be quote good enough. Um, 
that uh, the kids feel this pressure, parents feel the pressure to put the pressure on the kids, um, and that it just mounts to performance rather than peace, internal peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that's another message that I want to get across to people is that being in the top with how the traditional definition of success, which is, you know, um, have a fantastic job, be at the top of your company, have a lot of money, that, that type of success and, or belief that that's what we have to do to be successful is extremely destructive um, and um, causes a tremendous amount of anxiety in people. And they lose touch with their authentic self coming to believe that being their authentic self isn't good enough. And I think that's what goes back to, you know, these teens that this happens to. They don't even know who their authentic self is because they're still trying to um, please everybody in order to be what they think they need to be. Therefore, they never develop who they are, and they sacrifice that. They sacrifice it so much sometimes that they they can't tolerate life. And it's just such a, a sad, sad scenario. That's it's so it, it's so very true that we have been for many many years. The emphasis on is on did you memorize something temporarily that you read in a book, mm-hmm. rather than um, every school system in in the world ought to teach uh, grief skills, mm-hmm. um, healthy life and eating skills where they can be sustainable. I mean, obviously we understand in some places and cultures that that class wouldn't be a long class, sadly. Um, But the awareness of that, and we have made people so indebted to um, the the SAT, the what did you make on your score, which Mm -hmm. means very little when it comes to how you manage your marriage, um, how you deal with your car breaking down, uh, how you make good choices about who you're in relationship with. We're just upside down with that. In addition, we create the other part of indebtedness by the, the debts that when young people start out in the field today because they're so driven by Oh, I'm supposed to make good scores and oh, I got to go to this college and I've got to do that. They're so in debt, you know, hundred and two hundred thousand dollars in debt before they ever start. Yeah. Um, and everything, everybody's on that same page. You know, the airlines, you got to have their credit card because <laughs> yeah. if you yeah. don't, you may not get a seat or if you got a seat, then you, you didn't get your luggage to go. And it's such a greed driven monopoly that is uh, is keeping the average person stagnant mm-hmm. um, and is keeping uh, either also those people, but in addition, uh, a world in debt, uh, mm-hmm. never getting ab- beyond it. So it's just really, it's really amazing when you step back and you kind of watch all of it going on and going, wow, yeah. you know, and nobody's questioning it or doesn't nope. seem to. You are, and I am. So I am. Yeah, some more no, but I know are. what you mean. Other people aren't questioning it. But it, it's interesting, though. Once you start asking people questions, and then they start thinking and questioning it, they're like, yeah, this this doesn't make any sense. Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. No sense at all. 
No, it, it absolutely doesn't. And it, it's showing up now, you know, with the deeper levels of addiction and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and core value issues that people have in just everyday life. It, it's mm-hmm. just, you can only go with those old patterns so long and then not catch up. And they've caught up with this. Yeah. Yes, it caught up. And I, I think part of, of helping people not get more caught up in it is just to accept that um, they're good. To, they're okay the way they are and to capitalize on what they have and not trying to be the best and use things they don't have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, I focus a lot with patients on um, getting in touch with their authentic selves and accepting that. Um, and not only accepting that, but, um, but cherishing that and that, um, that they can hold on to that and not be at the top of their class, not be at the top of their job, um, but have a balanced, happy life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way to have it is to, to be true to yourself rather than climb up this ladder that we push people on. Isn't that the truth? Well, if you're if you're like me along the way, um, I haven't done this in a long time, I'm happy to say, but along the way uh, through the years, I would question, you know, why am I doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. and uh, et cetera. And then, you know, I'd get a love note from someone <laughs> or in the early days of email, uh, one person and they go, oh, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Or a thank you card. I mean, they used to send thank you cards in the mail. Uh, What a Uh concept. But um, that said, uh, I imagine that you've had some wonderful success stories that are in your mind and heart through the years of your work. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I have a minute to share a story. You have um, 15 at least. Okay. Okay, so I had um, um, uh, a teenager, she was 15 when she came in, and um, she came in with her mom, and she was feeling very depressed, and um, even with the way she walked in, she looked very depressed, and, um, you know, we sat down and talked, of course, she didn't want to be there, most most kids don't want to come into therapy, which is, you know, understandable a lot of the times, but... um, so, uh, but she was willing to talk, and we explored some things, and um, uh, clear that you know some of the way she was thinking about things would feed into um, a sense of depression, depressive feelings, and um, but also we talked about her nutrition, um, which clearly was playing a role to me. And and I asked her mom, you know, how much water does she drink a day? And she said about a half a cup. Um, you know, girl said, yeah, that's about all she drank. She drank a lot of sodas and, um, um, other juices, a lot of sugary drinks and things. But so, you know, it's hard to decipher initially if this, how much of this is really a, a clinical issue. So I sent, I asked them to come back in a couple of weeks after she drank enough water. And I told them how much she needed to drink, you know, half of her, um, body weight and ounces of water. So they came back into a couple of weeks, and it was amazing the difference and how this girl felt, um, especially in terms of energy. Um, 
of course, there were lots of issues to work on, but, but it brought her to the level where now she had enough energy really to, to look at some of the underlying causes of what was going on with her and how to draw on her strengths and resources to help pull herself out of um, the depressive feelings that she was having. Um, so, um, you know, she came um, every week, which is one thing that's really important if, in counseling is consistency. Um, uh, a lot of times people start doing a little bit better, feeling better, and then they don't start coming so much, and then, you know, things start to regress, and they say, oh, counseling isn't working, when in essence it, they kind of fell off their path. But anyway, so I think that was one of the benefits of this family is that they were, mom was very determined and kept bringing, you know, her to sessions, and mom was also very open and willing to look at um, her role in the family dynamics that played a role into um, very stressful situation in the home, and we got stepdad involved and um, and the brother involved, because, you know, a lot of times people want to come in with their child and just fix my kid um, is their perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, that doesn't work most of the time. Um, other certain circumstances, it depending on, you know, there's some kind of trauma that the family had no role in, but um, they're still needed in, to help kids get back on their feet. But anyway, so in this situation, the whole family was involved um, periodically. Of course, I worked alone with her a lot because she was a teenager, helping her develop her own sense of um, identity um, and helping the family system loosen up enough so she could develop her own self, a sense of identity. Um, it was very interesting. Initially, when I started seeing her, she was um, at one of these um, schools where, you know, you you go there. It's, it's um, I don't know, there's a couple of them in the area. I don't know if I should use names or not, but there are a couple of them in the area where the kids go. Um, they're not part of the public schools, but they have, you know, a lot of one-on-one -on -one counseling. I mean, not counseling, but teaching or very small groups of three or four. Anyway, so she was in this environment for a couple of years. And the success of this story is she gained enough confidence to get herself back in school. And she went back to the public school and um, started making friends and got through her. She had a lot of social anxiety. Um, got pushed through that, and um, uh, the anxiety that remained, she didn't allow it to control her, um, and made friends in school, and last I knew, and she's probably graduated by now, last I knew she was a senior in her high school and doing so much better and happy. So... You know, I, I when when I think of a success story, I don't think of the kid got straight A's. They were in you know in soccer and excelling. I'm I'm not looking at that for a success story. What I'm looking at is a success story of a person who decided to um, live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and felt at peace and was happy with herself and with her her family and friends. So. That story of that young girl oh, it comes back to me because that was a really oh yeah that's ending. very you know, impressive. Don't know what happens at the end <laughs> because they they leave. I used to think oh gosh I wasn't doing well enough as a therapist, but then I started getting notes like you're talking about. It's like oh okay I thought that person didn't come back because they didn't feel this as effective, and then I get this really wonderful note and story about where their life has gone. <laughs> so yeah. 
you just you never know. So it was nice to have that story with that young girl, to have them hang in there long enough through the process. Now, granted, most people, a lot of, you know, this, come into therapy before things become that difficult. So they don't end up in counseling for that length of time. Of course, my goal is to get people in and um, get myself um, laid off, so to speak. <laughs> The sooner the better, but, um, you know, everybody's different and how long it takes them to get through their own process. But, yeah, I'm not in the business to stay in business with a person. My success stories come from, um, you know, helping people not need therapists <laughs> and function on their own with their own support network. I think makes- I loved what you were saying, too, that this is where, where people uh, would all um, – benefit from seeing the uh, the essence of Ubuntu. You know, if it's happening to you, it's happening to me, or it's a collective thing. Um, beloved community is another way that, you know, that it's said, but when you were talking about you know, people come in and say fix this person. Mm-hmm. You know, or people will look at their pet and say fix this. Like, you know, I went and I got a pet and I, you know, I purchased it either rescue or at a at a pet store and I just wanted to walk right in and just behave and never cause any problems. <laughs> and it's like, well, get a statue. You know, next time maybe just get a statue, design it the way you want it, paint it, you know, change the reverence on it, you know, for Halloween and different things because you're not being very realistic. And I think that's part of, you know, what we look at when we talk about a family system or whether it's children or whether it's with pets who some people call children is that it, they are usually outpicturing us mm-hmm. so much, uh, especially in their early, early t- times of development. You know, I know when I call my animal communicator and I start telling her about something one of the pets is doing, she goes, Okay, so what's been going on with you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where where do you need? Where are you out of balance? And you know yeah. all that. And I go, ah, I knew you were going to say that, but yeah. it is. That's what it is. It's yeah. it's a whole yeah, is, it's a whole like, system yeah. feeding, either consciously or unconsciously, upon each other, and we we must address those things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know. It's funny, you know, what you're saying about pets, because I've had, I've had, you know, people come in and they're arguing over how to take, how to, um, um, I guess they don't use the word parent, but like parent a dog, and that brings out the systemic dynamics right there. With when an animal's having problems, behavior problems, also, it's a, it's a systemic issue. Yeah, it's very interesting, like you said, to be, to mm-hmm. be a child. It is. Animal. It is. Yeah. That's why we need people like you talking and gently reminding. You know that it it's a um, it, it's a whole a whole system. Um, have you had any um, relationship with? Uh, I, I have here uh, somewhat that um, in the uh, early days of people using the word autistic, you know, it became like uh, you know, and, and I'm not making it wrong. I because I don't want to sound contradictory to what I said earlier. It's a good thing people are addressing things, but we tend to go through uh, like uh, groupings, you know, it's like um, we didn't know what anything was and then everything became fibromyalgia. 
Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, we didn't know what something was. And then it was just like every, every child that, you know, went in and, and I'm, I know I'm overstating as well, but you know, it seemed like there were kids that were coming through here that are gifted, you know, so gifted and they're being put in these old timey, um, public school systems and they're, they're bored out of their minds or acting out. And so a, a time or two, one was referred to as maybe they could be autistic. And mm-hmm. it's like, and so it's like, what, <laughs> you know, I mean, did anybody talk to you about diet? Did anybody talk to you about patterns? Did anybody talk to you about what your marriage is going through right now and what the kids are experiencing? And, any of this stuff, you know, that they just start putting labels on people right away. Have mm-hmm. you had um, some experience where um, someone has received a label of some kind of permanency or stigma that we don't even understand yet, um, and yet that really wasn't what it was? Well, um, I just guess it may depend on what you mean by really what it was and by whose definition. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot. That was a whole paragraph. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, know, that would be I... a lot to answer. <laughs> I, I will say here that some children were diagnosed with autism that were not. Right. No, I understand. I think it, it's similar. I think what you're saying it's similar to all these children that are being diagnosed with attention deficit ADHD. When um, yeah, so maybe some would truly fit into that category, but we're placing them in an environment and expecting them to function in a way that's really not natural for a lot of children. Um, just, you know, for example, sitting in a classroom all day and expected to focus and pay attention without being able to move around much and then getting can't go out to PE because they weren't paying attention. I mean, that you know, putting people in an, uh, an environment that doesn't work. <laughs> And then putting labels on them. And I think, honestly, I think really that's a lot of our culture is unhealthy. And then problems emerge and then we're called disordered. When in essence, um, it's um, some um, environmental disorders or cultural disorders. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I see this a lot with postpartum moms that are labeled postpartum depression. That Well, yeah, they are depressed because they have no support network um there has husband's working um so he's not around trying to pay the bills um there's nobody there for them to talk to they're feeling ashamed from who for who they you know what they're struggling with they don't want to tell anybody because then they're going to be considered crazy um they're isolated all day long um they've nobody you know nobody to talk to but the baby um just and then you know we're, they're getting labeled depressed but they don't have the family network like you know 60, 70 years and more ago, people had to get that support. These are just examples of what I think of people getting labeled with disorders when it's really, I think it's more of an environmental, systemic. We need to look at the thing holistically, the picture holistically. Absolutely. We need to look at all the aspects of it for sure. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, frogs dying in a pond. Well, what's wrong with the frog? Something wrong with the frog? Well, the pond's getting polluted from all the runoff mm-hmm. from the yards, and it doesn't have a filtering system. But we're looking. Yeah, at we're a- we're seeing a lot of animals too have neurological prog- uh, uh, problems because of the poison that's treating uh, the areas. 
Right. But if they were a human That's being, some very be interesting being, things, thinking that with... we're in charge of everything, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So I just, yeah, I put things in larger context and I, I, I generally don't like labels, although they do serve a purpose sometimes. Mm -hmm. Identifying a list of symptoms, but the interesting thing about fibromyalgia, by the way, is that a lot of research I've been seeing is about inflammation in the body, and um, is it fibromyalgia, or is it that we're have inflammation in our bodies that are creating all of this pain and discomfort and um, problems? Mm-hmm. Well, I I think that. Um... I don't think I know. Uh, we're both kind of somewhat saying the same thing that even though you may have a diagnosis and, um, and you know, and it's very real, uh, the idea here is to, to have a multidimensional response to that diagnosis that mm -hmm. don't just look for one avenue that that's going to be the answer. Right. You know, or be willing to look at A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and maybe all of the above. <laughs> so, um, because that's what really helps define um, a level of temporary or a level of permanence in, in one's life. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because people can over identify with it sometimes also. When you think of permanence, that's another <laughs> permanence. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. just the way they are forever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, people. my owning that, you know, I have an allergic reaction to alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. Some now soon be 32 years. Um, you know, that was just a start of a reaction to sugar. You know, that was just a start to a reaction to behavior. You know, mm -hmm. so it, it's not just a one. Oh, that answer. Well, that that takes care of it. You know, it's 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 so much more than that. It's been a tremendous pleasure to have you today. I, you are just really wonderful to talk with and share with. And um, I am um, going to ask Natasha Pierre, who is our mental health specialist here at our campus, to connect with you. I've already sent her her contact information. It's been a pleasure to have you on our radio show and much, much success to everything that you're doing and, and what you're about. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Yeah, Susan Posada. Thank you for having me. Yes, many blessings. Okay, hope to meet you someday. We will. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.